If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. He has told me he would have never agreed. He would have never, if he'd had a say, allowed that. He would have taken me and raised me the best that he knew how. He would have never allowed that to happen. And I think for a man, you know, to know that he missed his child's whole life, someone else paid for my braces and bought my car and was at my prom. And um, I think it's been really hard and very hurtful for him. And I've, I've, in a way, I think maybe had to take on the role of a parent in my relationship with him in that particular time early on. We don't even talk about it anymore because it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But I just had to, to say to him, I had to be the one comforting him and saying, you know, my parents wanted a daughter and they prayed for a daughter and I was the answer to their prayer. And I don't hold any resentment towards anybody for anything. Yes, I wonder what would my life had been like? Where would I have, you know, gone to school? My, my whole life would have been completely different. Mm -hmm. And so I just trust that it worked out the way that it was supposed to be and that I met them at the time and that I was supposed to know them. But I think it was so hard for him and hurt him deeply. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. Sometimes people stumble onto DNA Surprises in the most unexpected ways. In this week's episode, 
Charlotte tells her story. Charlotte knew she was adopted her entire life and had no desire to find her birth parents. What she didn't know, however, is that when she took a 23andMe test, thinking that it only gave her a health background, she was starting down a path to learn her truth. Thank you for sharing your story, Charlotte. I'm Charlotte. I am about to be 54, and I am from Texas. So I was adopted at birth. Um, My parents, my adoptive parents, who are my parents, and always will be my parents, but I've known my whole life that I was adopted. Um, my, my earliest recollection, I was three days old. But when my parents recently talked to me about all this, they both said five. Not that it matters, but um, I have no memory of them telling me. I've just always known. I find it remarkable. They must have shared it in the most remarkable way. I, I have so much love and respect and admiration for them for however they said what they said because I have zero trauma associated with that or pain or confusion. I, when I think about it, I only feel love and joy. So I give so much credit for whatever they said or however they said it or or how they have related that to me my whole life. They have one child together, my brother. I think of him as my brother because he is my brother, but he is their biological child. My mom could not have any more children, and they wanted, desperately wanted more children, and they wanted a daughter. She did, and they prayed for that for a long time and they shared more recently with me about kind of how that came to be and it's to me just remarkable they had been trying to work it out for a while and nothing was was working out nothing um all of the places that they had tried were extremely expensive and they were not you know affluent and so that was not something that you know they felt like They could do, but they trusted that it would all work out. And there was a county children's home about an hour away from where they lived. And someone had shared with my mother that this county children's home was helping young pregnant mothers. Was not through an adoption agency or anything like that. And my dad said he knew she was serious because he came home from work one day and there were these people in their house. (laughs) I mean, the minute that her friends shared this with her, she got on the phone, she called to confirm. She said, what do I need to do? And, you know, the process, the paperwork of what all they had to do. And so, as I said, my whole life, I knew this. It never was an issue for me, ever. I never thought about it. It never was in my mind. I've heard stories of children that it almost consumes them. Did you have any idea of why your birth mother decided to let you be adopted? No, my parents. Well, so I'm trying to think in a timeline because when I when I share from my heart that it was never an issue. That's really genuinely true. So I have to think in my mind, 
back to the few times when I ever talked to them about it, it just wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. You know, it wasn't a part, it wasn't my identity. It, uh, it was a special thing to me. I have a memory and I can't remember how old I was. I'm maybe a teenager. I don't know. Uh, my birth mother shared with the children's home. They had non-identifying information, which I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but it's essentially information that you give the family just so that they can have some information about their their child that they're adopting without identifying the family. There's no names or anything like that. I guess they had asked her questions in the initial process. I haven't talked to her about any of it, so I can only conclude that. But she had, uh, they knew how old she was and they had physical description of her and of her parents, her siblings, and then the man that she identified to be my father. And that, that was less information about him than about her. But the story that she, she shared, she was 20 and she was single. And the story that she shared was that her mother was English and that her father was an American soldier and they met during the war. So we didn't know what, if any of that was true or if that was just something that she told. I have no idea if the county children's home required him to sign rights, sign papers. You know, those kinds of things are very different today legally. I have no idea. It's so wonderful that it was just such a positive experience for you growing up, probably because your parents were so open, I'd imagine, and, and you just n always knew. Did you have a desire to find your birth parents when you were younger, or were you just satisfied with the information they gave you? Zero. Um, there's always going to be a natural curiosity of, do I look like them? Because I think this is very funny. My birth mother, 5'7", brown hair, brown eyes. And her sister, also the same height, same. I see you laughing because you can see what I'm I know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Charlotte right now, <laughs> and she is kind of the opposite yeah. of those things. Well, and, and her mother, you know, brown hair, brown eyes, about 5'7". Her older sister, brown hair, brown eyes. They had a half-sister that was identified on this paper. Half-sister that was British as well. Blonde hair, blue eyes. The information that she gave on my biological father was that he had, I think, brown hair. I can't remember. That's how so non-important some of this was to me. I think she uh, said he had green eyes. He was five six. You know, just the, the basic things she shared his age, and but it was very minimal that she shared about him. And he had one, I think, sibling. So this is all I ever knew, which is like I'm saying is very minimal. But in answer to your question, no, I had zero desire. When you don't know anything about your backstory, you don't know what it is. And when you don't know what you might find or not find, it, you're just not willing to go there. 
and my parents are my parents. I would, I would never want to hurt them. And I knew them well enough to know that that would make them feel maybe almost betrayed. I, in the last year or two, having all of this happen, I've read things that I would have never read just to try to help understand maybe how they would feel or how I feel because I didn't even know how to, I didn't even know how I felt about it. When you're not trying to do something and it happens, then you don't know what to do with it. And so when I was in my mid twenties, I suffered from several miscarriages and it was very traumatic and very very difficult, very hurtful, very heartbreaking. I had never lost anyone that I loved at 25 and to lose my child and then for it to happen again. And I remember this, I do remember having a conversation with my mother and telling her this was very hard because they want biological information. They want medical information so that they can try to help me. And I don't have any. And she got very quiet on the phone and just said, I'm so sorry. If I had it to give you, I would. If I knew something to tell you, I would tell you. But I don't know. And she told me that when all of this happened, that the the family offered to share their last name. I did not know that till that day when I was 25 years old. Um, and she and my dad talked about it and they decided they didn't want to know. It, the, the, the county's children's home said it was a very common name. And so then they thought, oh my, if it's a common name, then every time we hear it, we will wonder, you know. And they just felt it best then if, if I ever asked questions, they could be honest and say, we don't know. And so that, that part of it at that time was very hard for me because I didn't know if what was happening was a genetic problem and I wanted to be a mother. And thankfully, that was in God's plan for my life. And I have two beautiful, healthy children. Our son was born premature with several birth defects. And thankfully, we we lived in um, a community that was a a medical community with amazing doctors and Children's Miracle Network hospitals, and they were, they saved his life. But always wondered, was his birth defects a genetic thing? We knew on my husband's side it wasn't because he knows all of his, you know, family and history, but I did not. So that was kind of a hard time. You know, my husband had shared with me when we met and and dated and, you know, eventually married. He said, if you ever wanted to find your parents, if you ever wanted to find your family, that would be really hard for me to support you doing that. And why is that? Well, I think probably many people have, you know, you have a prejudice, you have a bias. We all have bias that we don't even know we have. That it comes from, you know, our culture. It comes from the inputs that we have based on family and friends and stories. And, and in his world, in his mind, those things don't generally go well. And he mm. loves me. 
and will do anything to protect me. And his greatest fear would be that I might find these people that didn't want to be found and they would hurt me. And he didn't want me to be hurt. And that was his, I mean, I guess prejudice is not the right word. I'm not really sure what the word is that I'm searching for, but we, I think we all have this way of viewing things and it, and it, uh, and, and, and like I said, our, our input in life causes us to have a view. And so in his mind, and even in my own mind, I felt the same. And I would say, yeah, if they want to find me, that would be fine. I would be totally fine with them finding me because then I would know that's what they wanted. And I could be happy then knowing that they made that decision you know, I knew nothing. And so for all I know, they're married and have families that know nothing about me and how selfish I would have felt to just literally turn their world upside down, rock their world, you know, and also very much considered my parents and never wanted them to feel that they were anything but that. So it was just never a Never a big deal. You know, my birthday, sometimes I would think about her and I would wonder if she was still alive. And I would wonder if my birth father was still alive, my biological father. Um, on Mother's Day or fa Father's Day, I would think about them. And for people who aren't Christ followers, this is going to sound bizarre, but I pray. I would pray for them. And I would pray that they would have accepted Christ because in an acceptance of him, then I'm, I'm not only, I would not only be blood related to them, but I would be eternally uh, a part of an eternal family with them that even supersedes that DNA. You know, the Bible tells us that in heaven, we will know one another. And I couldn't think of a more perfect thing. Like, on this earth, my relationship with them couldn't be perfect because none of us are perfect. None of us have perfect relationships. But to know that someday they died, went on before me, they be there. Like those babies that I lost, I believe were there. We'll know each other. And so that just always gave me such peace about it in a, in a way that, you know, you can't explain it unless you know, right? So, but I never wanted to, I never prayed to meet them. I never, that was, okay. never, if that makes sense, that was never important to me. So this is how we got there then, since I would never have done this on my own. Yeah. How did you get there? How <laughs> did you end up having a DNA surprise? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in 2017, early 2017, my husband, who is the most amazing person I've ever met in my life, he's always trying to find fun things, new things, you know, to give me for gifts or to find for us to do. I mean, this is how we end up going to Switzerland and running a marathon. You know, I mean, it's all him there. So he comes to me and he says, hey, I've been thinking about this uh, gift I wanted to give you for your birthday, but I wanted to ask you what you thought about it. He says, I, I was thinking about getting um, 23 and me kit. And I, you know, wanted to ask you what, if you wanted one. And I said, what is that? I didn't even know what that was. He says, oh, it's this kit. And they send you this file and you 
you send in a saliva sample and then they analyze analyze it and they'll send you back your ancestry composition and i just thought that would be really fun to see your ancestry composition and i said yeah that would be really cool and he said and you can also send off to get your health analyzed and you know we don't know anything about your biological family and I just thought that would be a really, really cool thing. What do you think? And I said, oh, I think that sounds really fun. I think that would be fun. We had no idea, not a clue that you could be connected to family who had also, as your introduction says, spit in a tube. I thought it had to be, I thought you had to take a blood test for something like that. I didn't know how that worked. You know, it may sound unbelievable. Yeah, sure, you didn't know. But this was four years ago. Things have changed a lot in that world, even in the last two years, last year. So I said, well, why don't you get one? And he said, well, I know, I know who all my family are. And and then um, he said, but they are doing a, I think this was uh, maybe March, April. They're doing a Mother's Day sale. You buy one, you get one half. And he loves a good deal. So I was like, oh, you get one too. You get one too. And then we could we could compare, you know, our ethnicity, our, our ancestry composition, if that's the right word. So we did send it in probably, you know, four or five weeks later, get the results back. My British percentage was very high. I want to say it was about 79%, 75%, something like that. And we had a great laugh about that. And I said, all this time, he said, all this time, I thought I was married to a Texas girl, but nope, I had me a British girl, which <laughs> seemed to confirm what my birth mother had shared. So we believed at least that part was, you know, true. Had our health analyzed, and thankfully, I have excellent genes and no health markers, no no issues. I'm a very healthy person. And that was that. That was the end of that. Having no clue that all these people on my birth mother's side and my biological father's side were just out there. All I had to do was go, you know, click on it. But again... I know a lot more now even than we did four years ago. So fast forward to November of 2019, two and a half years after. Yeah, I was going to say that's quite a gap. Okay. So I'm a school teacher and I'd had a very long day at school. My husband had a home office. He just happened to be at home working that after evening, I mean, it was almost evening. I'll, I'll never forget it. It's burned in your brain that that will never go away, that moment. And I came walking in through the laundry room into the kitchen, and he was working at his stand-up desk. And, you know, we had our evening greeting, and how was your day? And I'm thinking about what we're going to cook for dinner or whatever. And um, he said, have you, did, have you checked your emails? Did you get that email from 23andMe? How did you see that email? And I think it, I was standing there and, and I said, what email? And he said about a, a close relative, about a relative. And I just said, took my hand and I went like this. I was like, I get those emails all the time. 
and it'll say, Charlotte, you have a new relative and it's, you know, fourth cousin or something like that. I did not understand what all that meant or what Cinnamorgans were or any of that. And he said, no, this is different. And I said, what do you mean it's different? And he said, this is, it's a close relative. And I walked over, he pulled it up on his com- you know, computer screen on his laptop and I walked over and I looked at it and it predicted this person was my first cousin. And I looked at him and I said, no way, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that's right. That It cannot be that simple. That would mean... This person's parent and one of my biological parents were siblings and we have, we share grandparents. And, and mm-hmm. I look at the, you know, the information that the person has shared and they were 16 years older than me. And I just said that, that is not right. I'm not an overly logical or overly analytical person. And just immediately to me, that just was not right. And I am married to an analytical, see the details, solve the problems kind of person. And he said, you share 12% DNA with this person. It is right. This is not wrong. And I said, okay, whatever. I wasn't interested. I didn't even really think about it. And about a week later, he says, and he is a more naturally curious person than I am. So I just find all this really funny now when I think about it, you know, he's like, what are you going to do about that? I was like, what am I going to do about what? And he said, this, this person, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm not going to do anything. And he said, really? Are, are you not curious? Are you not interested? No, I'm not. I just am not. And we talked about it a little bit and, and he said, you know, my number one priority is, is your safety. And this doesn't feel threatening. He's a very protective person and he is a very cynical, skeptical person about trusting people sometimes. And it did not feel, it, it, it didn't seem threatening or scary or something to be afraid of or to avoid in, in the way he saw it. So probably maybe a week or two passed and I said, I wouldn't even know what, what would I do? He said, well, you could just send them a message. Say, I wonder how we're related. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. (laughs) And he said, I think that's very non-threatening. And I was like, what do you think I should do? Because I really trust his judgment, his leadership. I trust him. And, And that was his advice. If you can send this email and be okay with whatever the outcome, if you never hear from them, be okay and hear from them regardless of what you hear, be okay. So I thought about it. I prayed about it and I did come to a place where I felt a peace about it and kind of in a little small part of me, a little excited about it, but not expecting anything, honestly. So I sent a very generic email and I believe all I wrote was, hi, we, I wonder how we are related. Something, something like that. Hit send and that was it. And I did think about it probably that first week. And then when I didn't hear anything from her, I, it didn't, I realized that 
either A, she had not seen the email or B, she had seen the email and was not interested, you know, in responding to the email. So then about three weeks later, I was at school and I was wrapping up the day. It was late because I always worked late. And I don't even know why I checked my personal email and there was three emails from her and she was beside herself. So excited. What? How do I, how could we be related? I have a very big family. I know who all my family are. This is crazy. Who are your parents? We share grand. I mean, it was just, you know, and she would send me something and then send me something. And so I immediately wrote my husband. I think I may have called him. And I said, did you see the email? And he said, yes. And I said, oh, what do I do? And he goes, well, I guess you talk to her. I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> so she had been visiting her daughter in um, another state. And this is why she had not seen, you know, my emails or my one email, I mean, and um, she wanted to know, could we FaceTime? And I, I'm a pretty go with it person. And I said, sure. Right. So here's this person <laughs> that I don't know. She doesn't know me. She just thought this was wonderful. She didn't doubt it, you know, like I did. So we FaceTimed and just hit it off just from the get go. And you know, I felt that I safely could tell her, well, I was adopted at birth and I can't answer your questions because I don't know. So we at that point did not know, was I related to her through my birth mother or through my biological father? But she was so excited and she was very careful about people in the family that she contacted. She felt a protection of me immediately, which I love her for to this day. And so she only contacted certain people that she felt might know something. And even if they didn't know, would be kind to me and would be loving to me as family, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so she reached out to her uh, only living uncle that she has has left. She was uh, the daughter of a, a man born in the early 30s. And then her uncle was the oldest of the, the seven children. And so there's a big gap between, if this is making sense, between her mm -hmm father's birth year and then the the youngest child born so this would make sense why we are 16 years difference because there was that big of a gap between the the children that the grandparents had and we just you know hit it off immediately and we talked and would answer each other's questions and so she reached out to her uncle her father's youngest brother that was still living the other four sadly have passed um and then also he has a younger sister that is is still living 
So, you know, in her mind, trying to process how it all works, she's thinking, I could be the daughter of her aunt. I could be the daughter of one of her uncles. We even wondered, was there a possibility that her own dad had a child, right, that he didn't know he had? And instead of being my cousin, we shared enough DNA, she could be my half aunt even. So, you know, we're trying to, in the timeline of things, figure this out and when she reached out to her uncle, they did not know of anyone who had placed a child for adoption. And she was very adamant that although their family was not perfect, that no one would ever have given up the rights to their child if they had known. And that she was very, very adamant about that. And I said, well, you know, you just don't know. We don't always know people's stories or what they've been through or well, what has happened? His wife wrote me. She sent me a Facebook message and introduced herself and said, our niece shared with us about this. And we think maybe you might be my husband's niece. And we just, here's my phone number. You know, um, if if you have questions, I don't know that we'll have answers, but we, we are more than willing to help you. And I'm just like, wow, this is great. So I write her and I thank her. And um, we started sending each other pictures because she believed we were, I was related to her husband somehow, you know, and sent me pictures of, of her and, and him and their kids and, and we just developed this really special relationship right away. And the same with this woman that we weren't, we didn't know if she, if we were cousins or if we were half niece, half aunt. Um, that's pretty much all it could be from the DNA. And she shared with, she is one sister, shared with her sister. And, you know, I just connected with them. And it was just really special. It was really sweet. Yeah. So how did you end up connecting who the connection was, the parent, your parent? Okay. So it's a very long story of how, how it all came together. Um, my husband is the problem solver. He is the analytical one. And he just jumped right into all of this. He learned how to use all of the, the terminology. He studied it. He figured out, he figured out how all of this worked. And he just jumped right in with me. And we just would set up at night some of the best memories that I will ever have was that time with him where we went on this journey. We decided we're going to do it. We're going to go on this journey. We're going to, it's, it's here. We didn't look for it, but it's here. And he would have his computer at the table and I would have my computer at the table. And I mean, there would be so many nights where we'd look up and it would be one thirty in the morning. And, you know, we were just trying to put the pieces with the DNA connections we were trying to put the pieces together and at at one point in all of this we came to a point where I believe the term is triangulation where there were three 
predominant names that we noticed were common, um, but, but we did not know if this was paternal or maternal, but it did kind of give us some names to look for, right? And then I have this half aunt. And I remember saying to my husband, how many, how many deaths could there be? And Texas does a great job with their records. And so we thought maybe that might help if we could find her death certificate. A long story short, we did find it. We, he was staring right at it and at that exact moment didn't totally realize. But when we found my half-aunt's death certificate, that helped confirm the families that we thought. And then it was just a matter of going to each great-grandparent looking at, you know, and these families had eight, ten children. Mm-hmm. And we go to this great-grandparent, there is the child, and there is the name that we are looking for. And then we keep looking, and everything that my birth mother shared about her family was true. Okay. So ironically, the information that she gave that was not supposed to be identifying was actually what helped helped identify. Yeah. So when you were doing your preliminary research, really into digging into how are you related to that first cousin that you first connected with? And you spent those late nights with your husband doing the research. That is when you uncovered who your mother was. Yes. Eventually, what happened was, this makes me very emotional. My, my uncle's family that my cousin had reached out to, they all want to know, could she be my sister? Maybe my dad is her dad. And they decide to take tests. And I am freaking out, literally. And I'm crying. And my husband's like, honey, this is the most amazing thing. Many people run from this and they're running to you, not from you. They want to know how you're related to them. They love you. And I'm like, maybe I don't want to know. You know, I was really (laughs) struggling with that because of the five brothers, four of them were married. Yeah, that's a question I have is, is once you realize that there was this DNA component to 23andMe that you hadn't known about before, were you concerned about outing anyone for having a, a secret child, like if they didn't know about it? Or was that a fear you had? I didn't until then, until I find out that my, my possible cousins are, te- are ordering kits. And, and two of them were arguing over which one was going to take it. Well, she could be my sister. Well, she could be my sister. Well, at least let me pay for half of this kit, you know. No, I did not think that based on the non-identifying information. I had, I don't know how many times in that process we would stumble upon something and think, well, could it be this? And my husband would look at me and say, do you believe the paper? If you believe the paper, if you believe what she said, then it can't be this. And what child doesn't want to believe their parent? 
even though I know, as I have learned more about all of this, more times than not, to, pr to protect the parent, to protect the child, to protect people, lies, lots of lies were told, lots of things were made up. But just something just, I just knew at least the part about herself, she had told the truth. And so not until that moment did it cross my mind. No, it never crossed my mind that my biological dad could have been married. And um, that was a moment for me where I remember telling my husband, I feel like a little girl walking through the lovely meadow, pushing my cart to flowers happily. And now my cart has been, something happened and I have no control of it anymore. You're nodding your head. And my basket of flowers is careening down the hill and I'm running behind it, waving my arms and I can't stop it. Yes. What's going to be found will be found. And the fact that these people recognize that this could mean that their father was unfaithful and yet they still want to know is amazing. I had had a chance to have to have to create a relationship with these people, even to the point they wanted my cousin that I was initially connected to. She just wanted to meet me so badly. And for people who don't understand how big Texas really is. You cannot just hop in the car and drive an hour or two when you are all over the state like we are. Um, I'm over six hours from her. Her sister, um, about five hours. Her uncle, seven hours. So in my mind, that was never going to happen. We were not going to meet. But she just yeah. saying, I just want to meet you. I want to see your face. I want to, can we please? And I thought, how would we ever make this happen? But I said, well, I'm a teacher and I will have off part of spring break. Okay, that's it. Spring break. We'll all meet the, the least amount of driving for you. So for, for us, that was four hours, 45 minutes. And um, we met at her sister's house, and it was my husband and I, my, my original match, my, the first match that started all of this, that I said, no way, her older sister, and then her, her uncle that is still living, the youngest of the five brothers. And his wife. And we just hit it off. I mean, we had already talked on the phone multiple times and this, that, and the other. But, oh, what a fun time we had. And I wasn't even nervous. You know, you would think I would be nervous, but I was not. I felt like I already knew them because I had talked to them so many times already. And So when did the cousins get their results? I'm trying to think in the timeline. It was probably six months after the beginning of all of this. Um, and then it took about five weeks, six weeks. So my uncle testing, then my, my original matches sister sent in a kit and then a, another one of their cousins that was 
one of the other brother's sons, if that makes sense. Yes, one of the brothers that had passed. Mm -hmm. Yes. So at this point, we know who my biological father can't be because she and I would have been sisters, right? So we knew that her dad was, was not a possibility. We fairly certain about one of the other uncles, just his character and the kind of person that he was and that kind of thing. So we kind of had in our mind who it could be, who it couldn't be. And, you know, it seemed obvious by dates that their uncle by dates should have been my biological father. And I would never have asked him in a, I would never have asked him in a million years, but one day we were on the phone and he just said, well, I'm sure you're thinking it's me, but it's, it can't be me. And, you know, I, I can't get inside someone's head and know exactly what they're thinking, but that was 50 something years ago. You have memories of things the way you remember them. You have times and places. And in his mind, the time and place just didn't make sense to him. It didn't match to him. So we go, we meet, we have this great time. His wife buys him, you know, this kit. Time passes. My husband, who is extremely intuitive, has for some time believed what he believed. I said, no, it's not possible. If he says it's not, it's not. We move, we go on. So he calls me. My uncle calls me and he says, I have some bad news. Well, I thought he was about to tell me I'm not even your uncle, which would have broken my heart because I had so fallen in love with these people. So I said, oh, what's going on? And he said, I don't know. Something is wrong with my kit. And they got all the way to the end. And I've heard of this happening to people. They got all the way to the end. And then there was something about it that they were not able to do whatever needed to be done. So they're going to mail me another one and I'll send, I'll send that, you know, kit in right away. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm getting accustomed to waiting here. So fast forward and I'm, I'm sitting on the couch. It's late one evening I figured if he's gotten his results or if my cousins, you know, had gotten their results, somebody would have told me. But I think, well, I'm just going to check my account. I click on the app and there it is. And I just, I think I audibly gasped. (gasps) And of course, this, you know, scares my husband and he looks over at me and he says, honey, what's the matter? What's wrong? And I said, ancestry says is my father and he looks at me and he goes yeah I knew that (laughs) okay I did not you know people might say I was in denial but he didn't believe it could be him so I didn't believe it could be him so I experienced something months before that probably not very many people in my situation will ever say they experienced. And that is I met my biological dad. I sat with him. I talked to him. And I didn't know that who he was. After you found out the truth, then what did you do? 
Well, I started bawling my eyes out and my husband was very confused and said, why are you crying? This is wonderful news. You already know him. He knows you. You love him. He loves you. And you were so afraid that your father would be married and, and you would have been conceived in a way of a married man. And he wasn't married at the time. And, and, you know, the best of all outcomes, he's alive. And, and I just said, I don't want him to be embarrassed. He's told everyone, including himself, I think, that it can't be him. And I don't want him to be embarrassed. Now he's going to have to go tell everybody, you know, this girl is my daughter. And he's going to have to tell his kids. And what's his wife going to think? And all I could think about was him. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about myself, but I was the first one to see this match. Nobody else had seen it. Nobody else knew. They had not. It was late at night and no one else had checked their, you know, emails. And so you can imagine what my night was like, you know, and all I can think is there is no way I'm calling anybody. You know, this is not my doing this is not my place I am not telling anyone later on that afternoon my cousin texts me or maybe she called me got his results and text me as soon as you can this is so exciting and I'm sitting there going nope I mean I, I don't know how this comes across because I hold no blame to anybody but I just didn't feel like it was my place to tell someone I was his daughter I felt like that's something like he should have to do, not have to do, but he should be the one to do that. Yeah. He should be the one to tell his nieces and nephews and his wife and his children. And that was not my, my place to do so. So anyway, he called me that evening and he said, hey, I got my ancestry results, but I don't know what to do with this because, you know, he's, he's, at his age, he's not as um, adept at the technology. His wife is younger, and so she's more adept at the technology. So I said, can, I, can you give me just a few minutes, and I'll call you back? I call him back. I explain to him what to do. I tell him where to go, click on matches. And he says, oh, well, look at this ancestor composition. And so and I was like, no, 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 that you can look at that later. Go up to the top. You know, I'm trying to walk him through this and his wife is there and there it is. Parent. And he is reading it out loud. And he doesn't, it does not register with him. Parent, child, 3,462 centimorgans. He has no idea what he has just read. He has no idea what he has just seen. His wife, immediately knew what it meant so she says it out loud and when he hears her say it it's just dead silence on my end of the phone on his end of the phone and he says what does this mean does, it, does this mean i'm your father yes sir and he just he was in utter shock so was i apparently no one else was shocked but the two of us. Does he end up remembering, like, having a girlfriend or seeing anyone? Does he, does it make sense to him now? Oh, yes. Now it does. Okay. He said, he said, I don't even know what to say. 
I know it's true, but I don't know how it's true. And he said, I'm so sorry that I did not know it was true. And I said, it's okay. And he said, well, it doesn't change anything. I still love you. Mm. We hung up the phone and the next morning, the next day, I think he called me probably three times. The first time he called me, um, I had not, I had an old photograph of my biological mother. The only picture that I had of her at that time was an old yearbook photo. And he knew her later than that photo. Um, But I had never shared it with him because I felt like I owed her privacy. It just seemed like a violation of privacy to show her picture to some stranger, you know. Mm -hmm. So I said, do you want me to send you her picture? And he said, yes. And when he saw her picture, he knew who she was. He remembered who she was. Okay. Um, they, They were not... Um, a boyfriend girlfriend status. They dated for several weeks, and that was that. I mean, he sh- has shared with me since. I don't even know if she knew my last name, so I don't know that she would have been able to find me, even if she wanted to find me. So he had no idea that she was pregnant or anything. No, he knew nothing of her pregnancy. He knew nothing of me or my adoption. And I, I think he came to a place where he could be okay with that because you don't have any choice but to be okay with it. But I think it has hurt him deeply. Mm-hmm. And then he felt not embarrassment. He felt this deep remorse, this deep, he's a good man. And so recognizing that he was responsible for pain for anyone was very hard for him. And he felt such guilt that she went through this alone Mm -hmm. and didn't have support and it hurt him. And he said, my choices affected your mother's life. My choices affected her life for the rest of her life. And I said, you are not responsible for her choices. You're responsible for yours. She's responsible for hers. And we have developed a beautiful relationship. I have a wonderful relationship with, with all of his family. He, he asked me not to say anything until he wanted to tell people himself. And I said, well, that's no problem. I will not be saying anything to anybody. So how many brothers and sisters do you have? I, I went from being the youngest on both sides to the oldest. My um, biological father has two children. He has a daughter and a son. And then on my maternal side, I am the oldest. I have no contact with them. I have never met them. My maternal side. Um, I think that was a pretty big secret. Okay. Only um, my birth mother's mom and her older sister knew. I'm not even sure her dad knew. My birth mother's older sister, when she found out what was going on, she drove seven and a half, eight hours, picked my mother up, took her back, brought her back and let her live with them. 
took care of her, was there when I was born. I have connected to my to my maternal aunt. I am very close to her. That's wonderful. Um, we have met several times. She's come to visit me. I'm going to visit her. We we just have this immediate bond. She is everything an aunt is supposed to be. And we are very much alike. I tease her all the time. Are you sure I'm not your daughter? Because <laughs> I'm my personality is so much like hers. Yeah. And she always wondered what happened to me and was so willing and open to meeting me and knowing me and just so grateful that I'm okay. And um, I've not made very many maternal connections, partially because I do feel very protective of my birth mother. I do not want to intrude upon her life. I, it took me a long time to get the courage and the peace. I did eventually, I did send her a letter almost a year later, and I put pictures in there. And in my letter to her, I tried to be very respectful. I asked her no questions. I did not reveal to her that I knew who my biological father was because the man that she thought was my father was not. Okay. And I still don't know whether she knew the truth and just believed that this other man would give us a better life or if she honestly believed that this other man was my father. And okay. I think that was all very painful to her because when she went to him, the man that she thought, the man she identified, he rejected her. He, his mother rejected her and pretty much your problem kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And my aunt has shared with me this, the nights that she can hear my mother crying and how heartbroken she was. And so I have this deep, deep compassion towards her and deep mercy towards her because regardless of whatever choices she made, it does not define her as a person. It does not make her a bad person. She had relationships. She found herself expecting a child. She went to the man that she believed was my father and he was not supportive. So I'm, I have not had any of these conversations with her. I don't want to hurt her. And I will never talk to her about that. I feel like those are two families that don't ever need to know of the other. Why? Why would that even be necessary, right? I feel right. a protectiveness mm -hmm. for them all. The letter that I wrote her, I told her who I was. I told her my name. And I just told her about my life. I told her about my children because they are my life. I told her about my husband. I told her about the things that I liked to do, my hobbies, the things I'm interested in. I told her that I'm a teacher. And I just said, I hope that you are well. I hope that seeing these pictures gives you peace. And I, I hope that you will be glad that I sent this letter to you. That was very hard for me to do. 
very hard. Mm -hmm. It was almost a year before I really did have a peace because I did not want to hurt her. Right, right. I don't want her to feel bad. I don't want her kids to be upset because I'm pretty sure they do not know I exist. So I'm not uh, going to put myself in their family. You know, I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect to hear from her, but about, well, right before my birthday, I got a letter from her. I'll read it to you if yeah, you want me to. Yeah, what did she say? It didn't, she didn't close the door, but it was almost like she didn't leave a door open either. Um, and so this is the letter that she sent me. Thank you for sharing this. Oh, I love it. It, you know, maybe if someone's listening to this, I never thought I would hear from her. I expected I never would. And so I guess I just want to, you know, to say if someone's listening, you just don't have any idea what this journey might take you on. I wasn't even looking, you know, and here, here I am. Okay. So, and this was typed, which, you know, I'm sure people can analyze that one side and down the other, but she did not write, she hand addressed the envelope, but she did not write it to me in her handwriting. Like I wrote my letter to her in cursive handwriting. I was some kind of old fashioned that way. I think, hello, Charlotte. How does one start or begin a respond letter? Your handwritten letter was beautiful, as are you. Your children are beautiful. Yes, you have been truly blessed. The reason you were put up for adoption is simple. It was the 60s. Unwed mothers, in my case, were encouraged to, and this is in quotes, give their baby a better chance at life. It had nothing to do with not wanting my baby. I was allowed to hold you for a few minutes. The two nurses that brought you into my room seemed uneasy. I think that maybe they thought I would change my mind. My sister lived with her husband and two children, and I lived far away away. She came and took me back with her. It worked out well. Her husband was great. I will always love her for that. The doctor, as I remember, was okay. Not one word was spoken of other options, nor did we sit and talk about what else I could do. So the decision was made for me. And to this day, yes, I have thought of you. May God continue to bless you and your family. Mm -hmm. And she signed her name. She she has a, a, a name that, can be shortened to a like a nickname and when I wrote her the letter I wrote it to her in her you know given name her birth name but she signed it um as the as the shorter version of her name so I thought that that was kind of neat that she did that how did you feel you know once you saw that oh (laughs) well I wasn't expecting it ever I remember Maybe a day or two after, I think this is probably normal. It's almost like stages of grief. That's the only way I can describe it, okay? Sounds so crazy. But I did go through a brief moment where I was mad at her. And why were you mad? I I was mad because I felt like that she made it about her. And I I was mad because I didn't ask any questions. I didn't 
ask her to tell me anything. So why was she telling me these things? She's telling me these things and she's almost making it sound like she was a victim, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of made me, this sounds so heartless, but I was, I'm being, I'm being honest and saying at first, that's how I felt, but it didn't last long. <laughs> Those feelings didn't last long because my husband, and I didn't read it to, to my aunt, but I did tell her I heard from her and it made her happy that her sister did respond to me. But she said so kindly, you know, in a way she kind of was a victim of the times. And my husband really helped me because he said, put it in her perspective. She doesn't want you to think badly of her. Mm-hmm. She's trying to explain to you why she did what she did. I mean, how many adoptive children want to hear they were wanted? I never doubted I was wanted. I never dealt with that. I I just attribute that to my parents making sure my identity was not in that. Mm-hmm. Because I always knew I was wanted. I always knew I was part of a plan that might be a bigger plan that I could understand. And so, yes, that, that anger, but I, I think anger is a part of grief. I would not say that I grieve, but I think I've kind of worked through some of those processes. And I think it starts with the denial when I go back to that day of going, that can't be right. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of see through this two year journey, almost two year journey now, kind of how I have processed through some of that, because this was a surprise. Where are you at with everything now? And and when I ask that, I, I guess I mean in three parts. Where are you at with your bio mom, your birth mom? Where are you at with your birth father? And then where are you at with your parents? I'm just kind of curious where you are at this point in the journey. Um, my biological mother, I sent her a flowering plant because I knew that was something we had in common and I believed it would make her happy. Um, And I have written her very benign letters with no reply, with no response, which I expected that. Um, I'm kind of at a point where she's not rejecting the letters. She's not sending them back. So maybe I continue that in a very non-threatening way two or three times a year, maybe, you know, Um, we'll see. I don't know where that's going to go. As far as I know, she does not know that I have a relationship with her sister. They are not really very close. And um, that's the last thing I want is for her to be mad, you know, at her sister, be mad at me or feel like we did something behind her back. I'm fairly certain her children have no idea they have a sister. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know where that's going to go. I have, I have a mother, so it's not a desire that I have as a mother daughter relationship. I don't, I don't even know what she looks like. I, I, I would be curious, you know, to see what she looks like. There's a part of me that kind of feels like, that's not fair. You know what I look like, but I don't know what you look like. But maybe at some point in time, 
you know, maybe she will come to a place where whatever the whatever holds her back won't be there. I can't possibly begin to know how she must feel. I don't know. Maybe she feels shame. Maybe she feels embarrassed. Maybe it's such a deep, deep wound of rejection by the man she thought was my father that she just has never been able to get past that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. She doesn't owe me. She doesn't owe me anything. She doesn't owe me an explanation. The fact that she wrote me a letter is more than many people get. Yeah. So um, with my biological father, I'm very close to him and his family. His children have opened their homes and their hearts and their families to me. I have gone to visit them. I have stayed in their home. Their children refer to me as aunt and my husband as uncle. They, that's what they call us. I, I still can't believe it. It's amazing to me that they have been so loving, so kind I'm their sister. There, there's nothing else to be said as far as they're concerned. I'm very much like my brother and my sister in many ways. Very much like them in their personalities, in their faith, in the things that are important to them that are that they value, and um, that's been really, really, really special. It's been a very special thing. My parents, it was very, very hard for me to tell them what I had found out. And I decided just to get it out there from the get-go, like probably two or three days after I knew about the connection with this possible cousin, I just got it out. I was, I call my parents every day. I just said, Mom, I have something to tell you, and I do not want you to be upset. I don't want you to be angry with me. And she was like, she calls me Sha. Sha? She said, just tell me. Just tell me what it is. I'm not going to be upset. And, you know, you think you know your parents. And I really thought that she would be really upset. I thought she would feel hurt. I, I didn't think she would handle it well, and I thought my dad would be okay and almost not want to tell her, and it's been the complete opposite. So she was okay, like I told her. You remember that? Do you even remember me telling you about, you know, buying this kit? And she had a vague memory of it, but they're older. You know, they're of a very different generation. They're in their 80s. Mm-hmm. This is all very hard for them to wrap their head around this. Um, and she said, yes, she had a vague memory. And I said, well, I don't know the details and I do not know how. Um, but I am related to this person and I don't know on which side, but I just had to tell you, I felt, I mean, it was eating me up and it only been a few days, but I have to tell you. And she's like, Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you told me. I'm glad you didn't keep it from me. And she has been so wonderful. And she wants to know, like she wants to know their name. She wants to know and she'll get confused and I'll, I'll have to re-explain to her, but she is okay with it. You know, I don't know how many times I have said to them, I didn't do this on purpose. I didn't go looking for this because I didn't want them to feel like they weren't enough. They weren't good enough. My daughter and son have been wonderful. My, my biological father and his mother and his wife came and visited us last year. And so, he wanted to meet his grandchildren and 
I, I know that this has probably been kind of strange for them, but they've been very happy for me. My dad, he just hasn't taken it real well, honestly. He, he got kind of mad. Oh, he did. Was yeah, he not mad at you or just the situation? The situation, I think. Like, <laughs> again, you have to remember this generation, they are not into the technology of things like all of this is so far beyond what they understand i mean these are people who this is not their world and i remember him saying to me you just need to stop this digging you're going to open a can of worms i am not an easily offended person but that is really <laughs> mad and i said well there is no more digging because i know everything and i said to him you know, my husband, do you really think he would take a journey with me if he thought for any moment that it, that I was going to be hurt by that? And after I said that, he's been kind of different because he knows that my husband would never let anything or anybody hurt me. But just the little things he said, the conversations that I've had, and I can't analyze him. I'm not a psychologist. I can only go on what I've known about him for 54 years of my life. And he's very much a protector. He's very much a, you are my daughter. Your brother is your mother's son and you are my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in his mind, this is just my, I don't want to paint a bad picture of my dad because he's a great guy. But I think in his mind, he rescued me from the bad people. You know, he grew up in a time very different from the world that we have. And in his mind, there was this man who didn't want to be my dad. He let my mother do this. And so he was my hero in his mind. And he is very mm -hmm. much, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it kind of scared him, honestly. I think he thought maybe they weren't nice people and that they were going to hurt me. And now that they know more the truth, we just don't really talk about it. I don't talk about it with him at all. I talk okay. about it with my mom. I talk about it with her. Like she says, I would love to meet your aunt. I would love to meet her. She just sounds like such a fun person. And she's just been way more willing, I think, to, to accept that this is what's happened and that it's okay. And it hasn't changed me. I'm still me. Right. And she's fun. Because she said, I'll, I'll talk to your dad. He'll be fine. You know how he is. And so it's been interesting to see a side of my parents that I thought I knew. It's given, it's, it's given me an appreciation for them in a way that I did not have before, honestly. Well, that's wonderful. What advice would you give someone who might be holding a DNA surprise from their child? And I'm very interested in your perspective on this because your parents were very open with you about mm -hmm. being adopted. It's really different to deal with this as an adult. I'm a grown, mature woman who's, you know, gone to school experienced things in life, graduated from college, I've had a career, I'm married, I have children, I'm on the other side of 50. And I wouldn't say this has been easy 
because none of it's easy. Life is not easy. Family relationships and dynamics are not easy, even when you know all the truth. So I wouldn't say that it's been easy, but I think because I was pretty secure in who I was as a person, where my identity is and was, made it easier for me to deal with all of this. I can't, I, I, I wouldn't advise someone with a child necessarily to tell them everything because I don't think they're, they're capable of processing all of that and dealing with all of that, that kind of trauma. Um, there have been some things that I have learned that have been very sad because no family is without pain. No family is without suffering. But I think I could handle it better on the other side of adulthood. I'm not advocating for hiding the truth by any means. But not everybody has an ending like I do. You know, there are... Yeah, there are a lot of circumstances. Heartaches. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to be maybe careful about the right time. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think, and I just put myself in this place, I don't know what I would do, but if I had a child and I knew that the father was not the father of my child, I, I can't even imagine letting a man think that. Like, my brain can't process. Oh, I don't want to in any way come across or sound judgmental because how do you answer that question like, I don't know if I were desperate, what I would do. Right, right. Right. I don't know if I were, if I were that woman and I'm single or I don't know for sure who the father is, or I do know for sure, but what if he might leave me? You know, I, I do not believe that I'm above anybody else to say what I might do if I were desperate enough. Right, right. I do believe that if my child came to me at a certain age that I felt like that, you know, were at a place, I would want to be honest with them. Do you have as an adult, you have to come to this place where the child's here. How much of all of that matters? Yeah. But you know, there are women who maybe they were sexually assaulted. Yeah. And maybe they're Afraid to tell their child that, or afraid to tell their family that, or afraid to tell their husband or their children. So it's very layered. Yeah, it's very layered. Um, I would say if you're a mom or you're a dad and you know the truth, that there is probably going to come a point in time where the truth is going to come out. Yeah. And you don't want your child to feel like you lied to them their whole life, even if you were doing it to protect them. You know, I, I have so much empathy and sympathy for people in this position. Yeah. I don't even know how to give any advice. So one more piece. What advice, what advice would you give someone who just discovered? Surprise! <laughs> I didn't know this. They've just learned that they're an NPE or maybe they just found out they're adopted or they just found their birth parent. What advice would you give them? Accept what comes. Go with it. 
know that you are going to find out some things that are going to hurt you. Be prepared that, that life is messy and you're going to find out some things that are going to make you sad and mad and you're probably going to go through stages of, of a grief that you didn't even know maybe you had. Be prepared to learn a lot because I knew nothing about genealogy until all of this. Be prepared too that you might find some really great things. Oh, and be prepared that you might now be the person getting an email from someone saying, how are we related? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I'm so happy that you were able to connect with your birth father, that you're building a beautiful relationship there. And I hope in the future that things continue to grow with your birth mother and that things continue well with your adoptive parents as well, your parents. Thanks again to Charlotte for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.